How many of y'all are thankful tonight? Amen? Amen. How many of y'all, we have a reason to be thankful that we are a blessed people, that God has blessed us beyond measure. And man, it's great to see y'all tonight. We're going to start into week two here on the sermon series, Prayers for the Church. And it's an opportunity for us as pastors at our three campuses to share a little bit of what's kind of stirring in our hearts. And, and uh, this week will feel very similar to last week. And next week, Lord willing, will feel very different from this week. And so we'll get, get to that as the weeks go on here. But this week is going to feel very similar to last week. And one of the reasons why it's going to feel similar is because we're going to be looking at a story in Scripture that happens around the same time as the story we looked at last week. Does anyone remember what story we talked about last week? Nehemiah. Good job. We talked about Nehemiah. And what did Nehemiah do? He rebuilt a wall. He led, he was burdened by God. The condition of Jerusalem burdened his heart so bad. Um, God inspired him and led him to lead the people of God to rebuild a wall in Jerusalem. And so that's the story we looked at last week. And just to kind of, by way of recap, we talked a little bit about his story. And we talked about how it started with a burden. And often burden, when you're burdened in your spirit with something from God, it's the birthplace of vision. Burden is the birthplace of vision. And oftentimes, when you're burdened for whether it's youth or whether it's adults, whether it's your burden for a certain people group or a certain ethnicity, whatever the case may be, you bring that burden to Jesus. And oftentimes, we bring our burdens. What do we do when we bring our burdens? We pray about things. And some of us, some of us feel led to fast about some things. And so we fast and we pray with our burden to Jesus. And what happens is, is in those moments of prayer and fasting, God transforms our burden into passion. Sometimes that's not always comfortable. Because in that space of prayer and fasting where we're burdened, God begins to disclose his heart for those people to us. And he begins to break our heart for the things that break yours. Has your heart ever been broken by God? Because it's a really awesome thing, but oftentimes it can be painful. Because God begins to trust you with the things of his heart and shows you how he feels about certain things, in particular certain people. But what happens is something amazing happens when we bring our burden to Jesus in prayer and fasting. God transforms our burden into passion. And all of a sudden we have this passion burning in our bones that we can't shut up about. And it's like this governing force inside of us that moves us and motivates us to do things for, for God. And that's when passion, kind of God mobilizes passion into purpose. It becomes our driving force. And then finally, as we are driven by the purposes of God, God fulfills his purpose through his people. And last week, we landed the service last week by praying a prayer, singing a song saying, here I am, God, you can have it all, I'm available. Whatever it is you want to do, I'm willing in advance to give my time, talent, and treasure to see your mission fulfilled. And that's kind of what we talked about last week. Our mission, and you're going to get sick of me saying this, and that's okay, is to take Jesus into every community of Sawasnova. That's why Coastal exists. That's the mandate that God's given us. And I believe and we believe that God has called this unique group of people that are sitting in this room, in the room at 7 o'clock, 
God has entrusted us with the unique mission of seeing that mission fulfilled by giving our time, our talent, and our treasure. You know, as I was preparing last week, one of the questions that just got me right in the gizzard, okay? As I was writing this down in my office, the question of what if we stop, and even right now, my heart is stirred. What if we stop? What if we just say we throw in the towel? What, what would happen then? And you know, my heart began to break because I began to see the pictures of people. Like even this past week, the pictures of people that our staff sat down with and had meaningful conversations, people that were in crisis, people that were going through incredible challenges. We had people in this space that we had opportunity to minister to. If we just throw in the towel, that doesn't happen. People aren't in small groups this past week. People aren't showing up to celebrate recovery. That stuff just doesn't happen. What if we stop? You know, I had a few people reach out to me, and that was the question that just, ugh, just got them. What if we stop? I think for some of you, when you hear that, what if we stop, something flickers inside of you. There's something that stirs in your soul because God has given you a passion to reach lost and hurt and broken people right here in this community. You feel called to be part of this church to fill that mission. And so we can't stop. Matter of fact, we won't stop. By the grace of God, we're going to continue, come what may, into the mission and vision that God has for us. I was listening to this uh, video clip from one of my favorite preachers. His name is Craig Rochelle. And this is what he said, and I think it applies here to Coastal. You ready for this? Okay, good. Here we go. We are, listen to this, we are faith-filled, big-thinking, bet-the-farm risk-takers. We will never insult God with small thinking or safe living. We're just getting started. I'm telling you, as long as there is one person broken, one person suicidal, one person about to give up, one person who can't get free from drugs, one person who is still in bondage to pornography, one person who is still living in abuse, one person who is still trapped in human trafficking, one person who doesn't have access to clean water, one person who has not yet heard the living word of God, that Jesus is the son of God that came to seek and save the lost, we will not stop. We will not stop. We will not stop. And I want to invite you not just to go to church, but be the church. So we will continue to take Jesus into every community of Southwest Nova because every single person matters. Amen? But here's the problem. Vision leaks. It runs out. And, and so often it's easy for us to lose our passion that God had first sparked in the first place. It's easy for us to lose that passion. And so today we look at the story in Scripture of a people being stirred by God because sometimes we have to come back to Jesus and ask God once again, Lord, I've lost my passion. I've lost my first love. I've lost my focus. Would you stir my heart afresh again? And so we're going to look at a story in Scripture about a people being stirred. And we're going to look at the story of Ezra. Now, Ezra might not be a book in the Bible that you've read, but it happens around the exact same time as Nehemiah, and the stories are incredibly similar. The people of Israel are just, just on their way back from exile, 
And you remember the walls were torn down at the time, but not only were the walls torn down, you know what else was torn down and destroyed that was a pretty major big deal to the children of Israel? The temple. And you might not think, well, what's the big deal with that? Well, for the people of Israel, the temple was the way in which they maintained a relationship with God. Now, for us here today, how many are thankful that we don't have to offer sacrifices to come right into the presence of God? How many are thankful tonight that if we believe that Jesus shed his blood on the cross and we believe in our heart that God resurrected him from the dead and we come in Jesus' name, how many are thankful that we can come boldly into the presence of God to receive grace and mercy in time of need because of the blood of Jesus? Come on. Like, I am so thankful I don't have to offer sacrifices, but he offered a sacrifice once and for all time. And because Jesus shed his blood, I can come boldly into the presence of God to receive grace and mercy in time of need. But for the children of Israel, Jesus had yet to die. They still had the temple and had to offer sacrifices. And there was the Day of Atonement and all these things, all these hoops they had to jump through to maintain a relationship with God. But here's the problem. That place where they offer these sacrifices to maintain a right relationship with God, guess where it was? in shambles, destroyed, broken down. So not only was the wall destroyed, but the way in which people related to God was destroyed. It left the people utterly hopeless. And yet God gives a spark here in Ezra chapter one. You can follow along with this. Ezra chapter one, this is what it says. In the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia. So he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and also put it in writing. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth and has charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor, in whatever place he sojourns, be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides freewill offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Then rose up the heads of the fathers' houses, of Judah and Benjamin, and the priests and the Levites, and everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. All who were about them aided them with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods and with beasts, with costly wares besides all that was freely offered." Cyrus the king also brought out the vessels of the house of the Lord that Nebuchadnezzar had carried away from Jerusalem and placed in the house of his, God, of his gods. Cyrus king of Persia brought these out in the charge of Mithridath, the treasurer who counted them out to Sheshbazzar, the prince of Judah. And this was the number of them. 30 basins of gold, 1,000 basins of silver, 29 censers, 30 bowls of gold, 410 bowls of silver, and 1,000 other vessels. All the vessels of gold and all the silver were 5,400. All these Sheshbazar bring up with the sorry. All, after, all these did Sheshbazar bring up when the exiles were brought up from Babylonia to Jerusalem. So Ezra begins this passage of scripture by talking about a word that came from the prophet Jeremiah, and then he begins to talk about how this Cyrus was sparked, was stirred by the spirit of God to rebuild the temple of the Lord, which is pretty fascinating. We'll get that in a second. Then all the people of Israel, certain specific people were stirred by the Holy Spirit to actually contribute to this mission to see the temple rebuilt in Jerusalem. That's kind of an overview of what's happening in this passage of scripture. 
But it all starts with this idea that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. Last week, we talked about how God does what he promises. If God says something, he'll do it. And God had a word for the people that were in exile. And we read in the book of Jeremiah, which was written right prior to when God's people were sent in exile. Jeremiah was warning them, if you continue to behave this way, exile's here. It's right around the corner. You need to repent. And the people of God did it. And so what happened? The word of Jeremiah was fulfilled. They were sent into exile for 70 years. But even before that happened, God had a promise to the children of Israel. God knew that he was going to send his people into exile, and so he promises them a word of hope because they were going to need it. The walls of Jerusalem were tore down. The temple was destroyed. This meant hopelessness for the people of God, and a huge portion of the people of Israel were sent off into a foreign land. Where is their hope in that of returning to their homeland, their home city, which could be marauded and and stolen from from thieves, and they can't even worship? So much of the Jewish identity was built in how they worship, and so much of our identity, frankly, is built in how we worship. And basically, this was gone from the children of Israel. This couldn't be much more of a hopeless situation. And it's why God said through the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29 and 11, before all this goes down, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans not to harm you, even though it felt that way for 70 years, but to give you a hope and a future. And some of us have heard that passage of Scripture quoted But when you understand the context of that passage of Scripture, you begin to realize, wow, that really meant something to the children of Israel. (laughs) They needed a word of hope. And God, being faithful to his word, fulfills what Jeremiah said. He gives them a hope and a future. And it's amazing because God begins to stir people by his word. And you know who he starts with? You know who God starts with? the stirring with, you'd think that it was like the church or the people of God, right? You would think that that's where God starts stirring his people, but guess what? He didn't. You know who he started to stir with the word? A secular non-Christian. Cyrus was the one that God began to stir, and God began to stir him to do something as we read in this passage of Scripture. God began to stir him with the word. The Bible says the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, because God stirs with his word. How many believe that God has a word for us here today in Sawasnova? How many believe that God has things in his heart for our region? Because I believe that. I believe that there's things in the heart of God for our future. He just has stuff that he wants to do, like pretty amazing things. Matter of fact, if we were to rewind the tape a little bit and go back a few decades, I believe that one of the things that God had in his heart decades ago was to have Coastal Church here today. And I believe that Coastal Church is an answer to a whole lot of people in our community's prayers. Amen? How many people prayed that unchurched, unreached people would get reached in our region? How many people have prayed... Do you realize, and it's a humbling kind of thought to realize that we're an answer in this space to people's prayers. 
It doesn't stop there. We're going to continue to pray bold, courageous prayers because we believe that God's not done yet, right? Okay. Just checking. God's not done yet, amen? There's still stuff in the heart of God for our region and our community, amen? And so God wants us to continue to pray big prayers, and he wants to stir us with the word of God. There's stuff that God is up to, and God stirred this secular king, this most unlikely place to see a move of God happen, to see the temple restored and rebuilt. Is there anything our God can't do? Like, what is too difficult for God? Here we have a secular king who resources this rebuilding of the temple, which would have cost something. But God stirs the heart of Cyrus with this proclamation that's sent out to all the empire at the time, and in particular, was heard by the people of God. The people of God that were in Babylon. The people of God that were back home and everywhere in between. The people of God heard Cyrus' declaration, and this was their response. They were stirred as well. Their hearts were stirred up by the word of the Lord. God had a plan. And the Bible teaches us in response to that stirring, then rose up the heads of the father's houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, everyone whose spirit, check this out, everyone whose spirit God had stirred to go up to rebuild the house of the Lord that is in Jerusalem. I love this. After Cyrus makes this declaration, something happened inside the people of God. There was something By the Spirit of God, the Lord stirred up the spirit of his people. And the Bible says, I love this word, the Bible says they rose up. It was like a resurrection happened inside of them. And they said, okay, I got to be part of this. Sign me up. I'm a mason. I can build walls. Sign me up. I'm a priest or a Levite. I know how altars need to be built. Sign up, I'm the head of my household, and me, and my wife, and my children, and my grandpa, and all the people that live with me right now, we're all in on this mission. Let's go, giddy up. That's exactly what happened here in this passage of scripture. The people were stirred up, and they rose up, and they delivered. Amazing what God did. He stirred people by his word, and he, God stirs people for a reason. There's a reason why you feel stirred. I mean, You're here today, for many of you, you're here because God stirred your heart. You heard the word, you heard what God was doing, you maybe hear our mission and vision, you're like, my heart's stirred. I believe the word that God has given to Coastal Church of taking Jesus in every community of Southwest Nova. My heart is stirred, now I want to rise up and want to be part of it. And if you had that stirring happen inside of you, whether it's been last week, last year, when we started or even before we started, if God stirred your heart, I'm here to tell you tonight that God stirs for a reason. This is not emotionalism. This is the spirit of the living God stirring your heart like we see happening here in Ezra. And God stirs for a reason. As we look at the different people in this passage of Scripture, there's different folks. There's priests and Levites and fathers, heads of households. They're all stirred for different purposes, but for one mission. I think of the fathers in this passage of scripture, the heads of households, they would have been heads of, of, of 
you know, children and wife and whole families, these heads of households rise up. And they took responsibility for their families. Their whole families would have been in on this mission. It was, wasn't just like a one-man deal. Their whole families were involved. I want to speak a word to you fathers that are here tonight. If you're following Jesus and, and you're walking with the Lord, God has entrusted you with spiritual responsibility. He's given you that scriptural, biblical responsibility. Now, some of us can take advantage of that and twist scripture, and they misinterpret what the Bible actually means. You're responsible spiritually to be the covering for your household. And not just the covering as in a protection, you're also responsible to lead your family into the mission of God. That is part of your biblical mandate. And so easy, men can just shirk the responsibility and step back from that. But that's part of your charge according to the scriptures. And as we look in this passage of scripture, the heads of household, instead of fall back, the Bible says they rose up. And so that's the caution is don't shirk your responsibility. If you're following Jesus, God has entrusted you to not just protect and cover your family, but lead your family into God's mission. Because how many of you know our children actually have a part to play in God's mission? You believe that? You're not all convinced. Your children, God has stuff in his heart for them to do. Your grandparents your, have a part to play in God's mission. Your wife, every single one of your family, you all have a specific part to play in God's mission, and God has stirred you for a reason. You're to lead the charge, and God has given you particular gifts and abilities and things to do because he stirred you for a reason. Part of that reason is he wants you to give your time, talent, and treasure to see this mission fulfilled. So let me ask you a question here tonight. As it relates to your time, talent, and treasure, what is God stirring you to do? I'm going to ask that question one more time. And you listening to me preach tonight, I want you to listen to the Spirit of God when I answer this question. Because God is speaking, and he has no problem communicating. I'm going to ask that question one more time, and I want you to listen to what the Spirit of God is saying to you. As it relates to your time, talent, and treasure, what is God stirring you to do? And whatever God just put in your heart, just say, Lord, I'm willing I'm willing to be obedient in that. If you're called to be part of this church, God has something specific for you to do because God stirs for a reason. Craig Rochelle said it this way, everyone has a gift to be used by God and for God in the church. In other words, if you just watch and you don't do something, then there's an unfulfilled assignment with your name on it. Whew. God has called you to do something. He is stirring you for a reason. And some of you are stirred because you need to start serving. You're not serving in some capacity and God wants you to serve. Or some of you are being stirred because you're called to actually give your treasure, to invest, to contribute, to see God's mission fulfilled. The Bible teaches us here that they aided them with vessels of silver, with gold, with goods, with beasts, 
and with costly wares besides all that was freely offered. You know, that's really hard to contribute financially to the mission of God when the economy is in the shape that it is, right? When everything's kind of in a downward trend, we tend to do this instead of do this. But let's just think of context here for a second. What was the economy like for the children of Israel at this point in time as they gave silver and gold and beasts and freewill offerings? They were slaves. They had very little. And yet they so believed in the mission of God that they gave whatever they could to see this temple rebuilt. Because the mission matters most. And God may stir your heart to give financially to see this mission fulfilled because the mission matters most. And the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit, it's not about guilt. It's not about false obligation. God stirs your heart. And as he stirs your heart, he transforms your motivations. So instead of giving out of reluctancy, God actually puts a desire in your heart to give. Whether that's serving, whether that's financially, whatever God stirs, he gives you the desire to actually do it. I love this verse in Philippians. It says this. It is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. In other words, it's God who gives you the desire and the power to do what's pleasing to him. God does that from the inside out. And so instead of this feeling like giving your time, talent, and treasure to the mission of God, instead of this feeling like a dreary obligation or I guess I have to, I'll do it. No, it comes out of a desire when God, because God has stirred your heart. He has given you that desire when he stirred you. You know, let me do contrast here. We've all been in situations, right, where you feel obligated to, to give, and you're like, man, I'm not feeling it right now. Like, how many of you have watched, like, a commercial? And you watch this commercial, and they want you to give, and you feel this false sense of, like, guilt or have to, or like, oh, change the channel. We're not giving to cats this year, Lord. We've all had those moments where we felt this false sense of guilt, and I said it once, and I'll say it again. Being stirred by the Spirit of God is not about manipulating your, emotion, uh, your, manipulating your emotions. God's not interested in manipulating you emotionally. He doesn't have to. Because when he stirs you by the Spirit of God, he gives you the desire, the motivation to actually give your time, talent, and treasure to the mission of God. And you do it because you know that by being obedient to the thing that God has stirred in your heart, you're bringing pleasure to him. It actually becomes a win-win. You know that by giving this offering of your time to serve on the connection team or giving that, that gift you feel like the Lord has led you to give for Coastal, you know that by doing that thing that God has sparked you to do, you are actually bringing pleasure to the heart of the Father, which I think is awesome. You're being obedient and you're blessing the heart of God and you're helping fulfill the mission. Does that sound like a win-win or what? You're pleasing the heart of the Father and you're helping fulfill the mission. That is a win-win. It's an amazing thing and that doesn't come out of obligation. That comes because God has stirred your spirit. You actually have the desire to contribute to fulfill God's mission. And the last thing that happens when God's spirit begins to stir is God begins to unite us around our purpose. Stirring unites us in purpose. 
The Bible says, when the seventh month came, the children of Israel were in the towns. The people gathered as one man to Jerusalem. One man, united, united in force. It's amazing when God starts to stir people, how that unites people when we have a shared mission together. How many of y'all know we're all different? I said this before, and some of us, like myself, we're really different. We're all different. But you know what? Every single one of you are different on purpose. God made you different. And if God has called you to be part of Coastal Church, God made you different and brought you here for a reason. And as the Spirit of God stirs you, and we become united in that mission of taking Jesus in every community of Southwest Nova, God wants to unlock your unique gifts, abilities, and skills to help see the mission of God fulfilled. You're different for a reason. And as God's Spirit stirs, it's up to us as a church to be able to lean in and embrace our diversity. Because without the Spirit of God, we'll just think that person's different. You ever hear tell that before? Yeah, that person, they're a little different. But actually, there's a beauty in the diversity. When we lean into the Spirit of God, God uses our differences to actually be strengths. And we can fulfill far more than what we can without each other. But that's really, really hard. Unity is really hard. But we do it and we embrace people that are different than us. Why? Because the mission matters most. So what do we do with a message like this? Well, I would encourage you to pray when you read the word. Ask God to stir your heart afresh. If you're in a space where maybe you feel like your love has grown cold, maybe when you hear a word like this or you dig into the scriptures, you're asking God to, to stir your heart afresh. Or maybe you need to discern. Maybe God has already stirred your heart and you need to talk with a pastor or someone walking with Jesus saying, this is what God's put in my heart. Can you help me to discern if this is what I'm supposed to do? Or maybe it's confess. Maybe you are, have been in a spot where you feel like your love and passion has grown cold. You're saying, Lord, would you just forgive me? I feel like I've lost my passion, my first love, the things that you put in my heart to do. I just need you to fan that into flames. Maybe that's you tonight. Or maybe you need to embrace someone. Maybe there's someone you need to just go and encourage. They're different than you. You don't align with them, but you align with them around the mission. And you say to them, I just appreciate this about you. What would it look like if God were to pour out a fresh stirring of his spirit on us tonight? You know, when I came in tonight, I just had this sense that people were feeling depleted. And it's hard enough to like feel depleted and still be a dad and, and, and be a spouse and do whatever, but then to actually live on mission on purpose, that's like another step. Unless God does something, we're done. We can't do any of this stuff but I'm confident in the God that I serve. <laughs> He's a good God. And he promises to do what he said he'd do. And if you're here tonight and you need a fresh touch from God, God wants to pour it out. But he doesn't want to pour it out just so you can have a high, emotionally spiritual high in this place tonight. God wants to pour out his spirit to equip you to do the work he's called you to do. And we need a fresh wind. We need a holy anointing. We need the presence and spirit of God to give us what we need to stir our hearts afresh so we can see Jesus in every community of Southwest Nova because every single person matters to Jesus. Amen.
So let's believe God tonight and let's allow him to pour his spirit out in our hearts and let's open our hearts to him and let him do what only you can do. Would you stand to your feet?